Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yuma, daf Tetvav, page 15. Um, at the top of the daf, we have a discussion about the menorah, about the oil of the menorah, and how literally the process of what they would do to keep it burning, which, you know, in light of the discussion that we had, that we've had together even in Masachet Shabbat about about well, it's happened more than once, but certainly about the candles for Hanukkah, I found this particularly interesting. So that they would make sure that they would that they would um this is a bright that they would talk about it talks about how they would put the the a certain amount of oil right every night that they would put it in uh, in the evening and it would burn all night from the evening until the morning. We have another read of this. The Gemara makes the point that says, you know, when it says from evening to morning, this is the only thing that we have an evening to morning time frame, right? Other things are from day to day, or some things might be from the morning to the evening, but this specifically, the specifically the menorah um, is is a is a evening to morning kind of thing. I mean, not kind of thing. It is the thing. This is it. Um, so what's this all about? Meaning, how does this come into play in our discussion of that we've been talking about in terms of what the Kohen Gadol has to do, what the Avodah at this time is this interplay, which we also discussed previously about the lighting of the lamps, meaning the menorah, and also the burning of the incense. Is this Gemara? It says here that this is the time. But Idan, the time of the lighting of the lamps, is the time of the burning of the incense, and no later, right? So that if so, then the implication is that if you're in the morning at the time that you're going to remove the ashes from the lamps, right? You're going to clean up. That's also again apparently when you would burn the incense again. So the the discussion of incense, I feel like we will. It's going to come circling back, you know, around in several different contexts. Um, I have seen it said that the incense is here. I think it's the Rambam um, as a defumigation, right? Because the there were aspects of the Beit Hamikdash that really smelled like an abattoir, right? I mean, it's animal sacrifice. And on the other hand, there's a whole discussion. And I think this is the Ramban that talks about how the Ketoret was a reich nichoach, a pleasant smell, a pleasing smell to reach Hashem. So that this idea that the investment of what the people would do, you know, this is kind of the most lovely and in some ways esoteric aspect of the avoda in the Beit HaMikdash because you've got on the one hand the light of the menorah and on the other hand the smell, the scent of the reach nichoch, of the pleasing smell of the ketoret. Um, so, and the fact that they come together, you know, is, I, I find it interesting, you know, the Gemara goes on to discuss more about the ketoret itself um, in terms of Oh, I don't know. In terms of the order um, and who was doing what, really. Um, your Dana, do you have anything you want to add to this? Um, no, I, I think just kind of the reminder. There's always like things that appear in the DAF that you're like, oh, I knew that. But then when it like says it, you're like, oh, I, now I really know it. So this idea that the name wrote are sort of the evening avoda. It's like something you sort of knew, or at least I feel like I sort of knew. But then when you read it, you know, it's sort of like the Gemara makes a point that you internalize it in a different way. And I'm sort of thinking in my head, what do all the ramifications of that mean? Right. Well, this is exactly the question that we saw before over what's the order. Do you burn the Torah 
last or is the lighting of the lamps last on this stuff, right? The next bit after what I've just read, it talks about Abu Shaul saying really his case is that the lighting of the lamps is the final avodah of the day, which is a nice, you know, so it caps off the day. And again, I'm just going to mention that I'm still always taken by, you know, you're just a couple hundred of years from when the avoda was done and how much of it was actually lost. Like, I don't know, just thinking about memory and time and, you know, things get lost very quickly. That's me being yes. a little, <laughs> I know that's not cheerful. It's not a cheerful thought, but it's just, you know, it's where my head is at today. Um, I hear that. Oh, wait, wait, I just want to add one thing because because now that I've already talked about the order and the fact that there goes Ketorot and then Menorah at the night, in the daytime, they would, in the morning rather, they would clean out the Menorah first and then smoke the Ketorot and then that smoking of the Ketorot in the morning would last the day. Okay, now it's your turn, go. Okay, so now that we've, uh, everyone can contemplate my idea of memory and how time gets memory to fade very, very quickly, quickly than we want to remember it. Haha, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move on to this whole discussion that the bulk of the rest of the DAF really deals with, which is his opinion of Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah. Um, and he basically holds, you know, the Gemara is going through, uh, just like there's a machlokas between Abba Shah and Rabbanan. Now we get introduced to a machlokas between Rabbanan and Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah about how, where do you put the blood for the Korban Tamid? So the Korban Tamid is a type of Ola. Um, uh, korban, which means, you know, the whole thing basically has to go up and it's done twice a day. And um, he, you know, wants that there's sort of two types of Rabbi Shimon Ishamit's Pechold, that there's sort of two, I guess what you would call as placements or applications of blood on the Mitzpah south southwest corner, um, which is done differently than any other um it's done differently than any other Ola. That's not typical of the um, of the other Ola. So what we know is, is that all different korbanas, the Ola, the Asham, Shlamim, Toda, Chatas, whatever it is, right? That basically you have to have blood that's thrown, you know, the blood that is collected basically has to get thrown to some of the corners of the Mizbeach itself. Um, and that's sort of part of the Avoda and, and how it's actually done. And where it's actually done, um, you know, is, you know, what corner it's done is, is what they talk about here. For the korban of an Ola Asham Todan Shlamim, it's only done twice. For a Chatas, the Kohen actually has to do it four times. Um, and what he does is, is, for the Chatas, is he actually takes the blood on his finger and he has to do it on the four sort of corners, upper corners of the Mizbeach. This will get discussed in other times. Whereas with an Ola, the blood is really just thrown twice. And there you don't do it with your finger. You're actually using a kli. Um, and you do it on the lower part of the Mizbeach. Um, where again, whereas the blood of the Chatas is actually done in four uh, separate times on the upper part of the Mizbeach. And it's applied with the finger itself. So Rabbi, so Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah has this opinion where... As Rabbanan said, you're just going to do for the Korban Tamid. You just treat it as a regular Allah. For the Korban Tamid, he says, no, it's a of the blood placement that you would do for an Allah with a Chatas. And so the question is, you know, my time at the Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, right? What's the, what's the reason for this? Why does he hold this way? I'm a Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Chad Debei Rabbi Yanai. So Rabbi Yochanan said, in the name of a member of the Academy of, of Rabbi Yanai, 
Amarkra, right? The the Pasuk says, Usir Izim Echad Lachatat Lashem Al Olat Hatamid Yaaset Benischo. So this is a Pasuk in Bamidbar Perk Chavchad Pasuk Tetvav. Um, and it, you know, and what the Pasuk says here is that he has one he goat for the Chatas offering to Hashem, in addition to the continual, the Olat Hatamid, the continual offering. That should also be made with its with its wine, right? With its wine libation. So the question is, why does it need to have this al olatatamid? Why does it need to say that this chatas was being given with in addition to the olatatamid? Of course, the olatatamid had to be given. We don't need to sort of uh, give this in addition to, right? That that's really what seems to be extra here in this pasuk. So therefore, it's saying olahi, right? The korban tamid we know is like an olah offering. But yet in this particular verse, right, the Kohen should also perform a procedure of a chatas in connection with it. Because it's touring, talking about a korban chatas and it's connecting it back to the Ola Tamid. Ha-Kate said, how is this done? So first the Kohen does, the first performs like application of the blood, which is two the masa ola, and the way that you would do the ola, right? Meaning he de- he puts the blood uh, against the lower half of the korban's northeast coaster, right? So it's sort of spread out against two walls, right? Against the north wall and the east wall. Um, and that's how the korban tamid is like a regular ola korban, okay? But then he goes on and says, shtayim shehein shtayim. But then the kohen, right, should go sort of across the mizbeach and he does two more blood, Right, that are two separate ones. So it's time change time kamasa chatat, which is like the chatat itself. Um, and so, what does that mean? So the chatat required that you actually put blood on each sort of what they called like the horns of the mizbeach. Um, and so you had to also, besides doing the two of the northeast cor- corner, right, a little bit on the north and a little bit on the east of the tummy's blood, like the ola, then you had to put some on the southwest corner. Which was what, which is not exactly like, but is somewhat like the chatas one, um, and and it's put separately. It's not put once; it's put twice. Um, once, you know, once against one corner, once against the other one, um, and that's how it's going to be like the chatas. So he has this very interesting opinion, which Rabbanan do not hold by, where he sort of uh, combines them, and then the Gemara basically, um, you know, goes on. Uh, to sort of, you know, really sort of tease out all the implications of this particular uh, opinion, right? Like they ask a question like, maybe, you know, it should do, maybe you should do more that looks like the full chatas. Why do you only do half of a chatas? Um, you know, then they ask a question, uh, you know, do we have other korbanos that do things that are in the upper and the lower? Um, then they want to know, uh, you know, maybe do the chatas blood first or do the ola blood first, right? Like the ola blood second. Why do we do ola? And then why do we do chatas? So they sort of go through all these different permutations. How do we know that the corners that we're doing are the right corners of this? They really want to sort of explore this entire um, opinion. But I really just think actually the reading that he does of this particular pasuk of sort of linking the chatas to the ola and therefore having to have the sprinkling of that blood sort of combine both is really just 
it's a good use of midrash halacha. It's a it's a good example of sort of really paying attention to the context of a pasuk, paying attention to a couple of superfluous words, and saying based on that you really learn something different from the halacha. And going back to my comment that I made about memory, um, you know, here it's not so much about memory. Um, as much as it is like maybe they somehow forgot exactly how it was done, but it's really going back to say, could I look at the psukim to figure out how it was done? So it's not just relying on, well, I have a tradition. I was taught by my teacher, I was taught by his teacher, or some coin says, this is how I was taught by my father, how it was done. They're doing something very different. Um, and instead, it's really saying we know that anything we need to know about how the avoda worked is in the psukim itself. So all we really need to do is we don't actually have to have memory. We just have to go back to the psukim itself and we can learn it all out from there. So it's interesting that you bring it back to the Midrash Halakha, which I think makes perfect sense. But I, I, I keep thinking both when I was preparing and also when you were talking, I keep thinking, and this may go back to my the squeamish element of my personality, where I'm thinking like, you know, fingers and blood and oh my, you know, in terms of like, I know that is theoretical to them, but it's still very vivid here. You know, the the details are very specific. And I understand that they're kind of still figuring out exactly, you know, working out exactly what it needs to be and, and which psukim teach what and whose approach. And everything. But at the end of the day, I, I'm still remembering this, you know, the bloody Mizbeach. Like it's a, it's still very dramatic. Oh, it's very dramatic. The avoda is bloody. Like, I think it would really, I, I think it's hard for people to see that this is like really how you worshiped God. You know, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in uh, team tefillah. <laughs> <laughs> team tefillah. I think we're going to have to talk about this again, you know, as we go, because I think that this is, it, it's a really strong question, right? Something that's supposed to last for generations, generations upon generations. And yet this is so far into the way we worship today. I would totally agree with that. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let's in its descriptions of the Avoda and the Beit HaMidash on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.